the HD Movie Podcast may contain mature content, strong language and spoilers. Hello and welcome to episode 108 of the HD Movie Podcast. I'm Darren Gaskell. And I'm Hayley Alice Roberts. And do we have a movie for you today? We continue our Summer of Sharks with the infamous 1995 effort from Bruno Mattai. It's Cruel Jaws. And as with Redwater, this is a movie that is too big for two of us to deal with. So we have a guest joining us. In a few moments, we will be introducing you to Summer of Sharks veteran, Kate Orton. It's our penultimate Summer of Sharks third season episode, and boy, do we have a treat for you this week. It's 1995's Cruel Jaws, directed by prolific Italian genre filmmaker Bruno Mattei. And our main man, Nick Reganis, has a synopsis for you. So, you're wondering what Cruel Jaws is about? This is the best man for the job. With the annual regatta celebration just around the corner, an aggressive 25-foot tiger shark swims into the waters of the sleepy seaside town of Hampton Bay. In the meantime, against the backdrop of a shady real estate deal, the defenceless owner of the local amusement park, Dag Snersnesen, finds himself with his back to the wall as an unscrupulous land developer and his ruthless mobsters use strong-arm tactics to convince him to give up his property. Of course, the greedy mayor refuses to close the beaches, and before long, the first corpses start washing up on the shore. But now the ferocious aquatic predator has tasted human flesh, it will stop at nothing to get its next meal. Who can rid the ocean of the beast? Another top synopsis by Nick Reganis. And yeah, what is that guy's name? Is it Sneerinson? Is it Sorensen? The movie doesn't really land either side. It's the guy that looks like Hulk Hogan. That's the guy. Anyway, enough of talking about Hulk Hogan lookalikes. It's time to introduce our guest. And back for yet another season of Summer of Sharks, having put up with our shit for a couple of years previously. She's back for more. A massive welcome to Kate Orton. Hey, guys. I just can't get enough. <laughs> thanks for having me yet again and i'm very very happy that this is the film thank you darren especially for choosing cruel chores for this episode did you want to see the last shark again because you're gonna see you're gonna see the last shark <laughs> did again. i want to see the last shark great white jaws one through four <laughs> any shark from you care to mention and a bit of star wars yes oh, yes, yes i did <laughs> 
so it is my second viewing of Cruel Jaws, which, as staggering as it may seem for anybody that's seen Cruel Jaws once, I've now watched it twice. I am assuming that I am the only person in this podcast who has seen it twice. Absolutely. We've established that you're certainly the only person probably in the UK, possibly in the world, who's watched it twice out of choice, Darren. (laughs) (laughs) You are a bit of a Matai head, though. Matai head, Matai fan, glutton for punishment. Yeah, I can't say fan because his stuff is erratic, to say the least. Garbage most of the time. But... I picked him up in the VHS era. I watched things like Zombie Creeping Flesh and Rats Night of Terror and Strike Commander. And he's a bit of a genre hopper. He's our Bruno. He will just take on anything that the prevailing winds are blowing him towards. If he wants to make an action movie, he'll make an action movie. If he wants to make a horror movie, he'll make a horror movie. And in this case, if he wants to make a shark movie, he'll make a shark movie. He also decided to make a couple of cannibal movies 20 years after everybody had stopped making them. So he just doesn't care. He will just make movies. And bear in mind, this came out in 1995. So 20 years after Jaws. Nobody asked for this. (laughs) I think you're absolutely right, Hayley. And looking back over his filmography, prolific is an understatement. Wikipedia, I don't think is able to contain everything that he's ever made, let alone all the aliases that he directed under. He is bouncing around from every type of of exploitation genre. What does surprise me is that he doesn't seem to have ever made a straight-up porn film, because a lot of the, the visuals, the cinematic language, the music, at any point I was expecting the characters to start fucking rigorously over the side of a ship, it has a very peculiar Italian-esque language to the way that these films are constructed. And Darren, you know, you've seen quite a lot of the back catalogue. I'm sure you can confirm or deny whether that runs true throughout his oeuvre. Yeah, he'll just throw anything in for the sake of it, basically. The action movies are a bit less porno styly than the other stuff. But, I mean, Rats Night of Terror's got some really, really dodgy sexual politics in it. (laughs) If you want to watch Rats Night of Terror, it's a great exploitation movie. It's so bad. The dialogue is absolutely terrible. But I must caution people that it's got that kind of unpleasant Italian 80s attitude to how blokes see women. And I know that there is an argument that Italian horror movies destroy women because Italian men love Italian women so much that it's the most horrific thing that can be portrayed on the screen. But at the same time, I did watch Night of Terror thinking, yeah, this is a little bit dodgy, this. And I'm a big exploitation fan and some of it is like, "Mm, nah, I wouldn't have stuck that in, Bruno, if I was you. But Yeah, that's what she said. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Sorry, I've had had some wine, listeners. (laughs) as I would recommend you all do if you choose to watch Cruel Jaws. Yeah, it might even have the experience for me if I had had a drink, but I did watch this Stone Cold Sober, which I believe was a mistake. The only film of this director I've seen is the Rats movie, but I saw it as part of Bad Film Club in Abattoir many years ago, and it was a fun time, but all I remember is the dodgy rat costume at the end. 
And that is all that stuck with me from that movie. But I remember, you know, there was alcohol involved and it was fun. And I think perhaps if I'd seen Cruel Jaws in a bad film club setting, I would have had a better time with it because you've got people riffing on it the whole time. But yeah, I just um, found this a very much of a slog to sit through. I didn't get it. It's just footage spliced from every other shark movie going. And the dialogue is so bad. People do not talk as they should in this. But obviously we know that that is because it is an Italian movie and they were trying to interpret how Americans would speak. I think that was what they were going with. And the editing's really abrupt. It just jumped from one thing to the other. It was just a very, very strange movie. And as I said, it came out after the kind of shark craze. I don't know who was asking for this in 1995, especially when you could go back and watch Jaws or even The Last Shark if you really want to instead of this. I mean, you can get about well, 15 minutes of The Last Shark in this anyway, because there's all sorts of bits. <laughs> yeah. There's the heli- yeah, This is like the greatest hits yeah. reel. You know, you Absolutely. don't have to go back and watch any of the others because it's all there. Confession time, right? First 40 minutes of this film, I was cooking my tea. So I was watching it from the other side of the kitchen. And I just kept glancing over and going, where are we now? What? That's a different shark. That's not that shark. That's a stingray. Why are we in an aquarium now? There's a sea lion. Now that guy's Hulk Hogan, which I'm sure we're going to circle back to. And now they're on a boat. There's some teenagers. There's a fight happening. It's everywhere. It is everywhere. And it doesn't stand still for a second. That editing that you mentioned, Hayley, if you want a definition of smash cut. And with the music as well, not only do you have this incredibly fast-paced, abrupt editing style, but there was a scene where a pop song is playing as your non-diegetic music. Really odd choice because it's got lyrics. But the song jumps around. So they haven't edited the music. So you're sort of listening for the first 30 seconds. Then you go back to the beginning of the song and then it goes towards the really peculiar. And apparently they did have a, a kind of screening for the cast and crew after editing and, and production was finished. And I can't believe that anyone who was involved watched that and went, yep, I'll keep my name attached to this. It's a wonderful, wonderful roller coaster ride and absolutely the sort of film to, if you if you do your own bad film clubs, which I know many of you guys do out there, if you get together with mates to specifically and purposefully put yourself through watching some of the, the best and worst that cinema has to offer, you cannot go wrong with this film. Definitely there are drinking games to be designed around this. Shots every time there's a shark is a bit too obvious. Maybe shots every time somebody says a misplaced insult like dick brain dick brain dick brain (laughs) dick brain brain. that is an absolute example of the translation issues that they had where you've got three people writing the script in italian then it gets translated into english the actors are going "Mm, that's not necessarily how we would say it in english and them just being told to crack on with things dick brain might be a new kind of t-shirt slogan we could get that made up HD movie podcast, Dick Brains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if calling the listeners of the podcast Dick Brains is, a, is the way to go, but but you know, it's it's something to look into. What what the hell? What the hell is going on with the music in the first ten minutes? That sort of carnival music. I know that it's at a water park. 
and they're training the dolphins. But it's just, it's this sort of circus music at like 200 decibels in the background while people are having conversations about businesses failing and the guy trying to develop a hotel and, and it's like going... But that was exactly when they're talking about the, the sob story of um, Dag Schwenschnitz, disabled daughter who is a wheelchair user and her only purpose in life is swimming with dolphins and daddy owns an aquarium thing. I don't know. But as he's explaining about the terrible accident, accident that took his daughter's ability to walk, <laughs> and at such a, a volume that you can no longer hear the dialogue, so the mixing is all over the place. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, how are you yeah. supposed to connect with that scene and these characters? It's, the way it's all put together is, yeah, it's just tonally all over the place. I think that's it, its main problem. And you just can't really, as I say, connect with any <laughs> characters or really give a shit about what was going to happen to them. Are you saying, Hayley, that when you're listening to someone tell you a really tragic piece of news, that you don't always just play out? <laughs> well, I think I, I may now in the future. <laughs> we recommend it. <laughs> Takes the edge off. I do like the sheriff in this movie. He's the man of action. He's the guy who says, coming through when there's like two people in the way of the corpse. It's like, you don't need to say coming through. There's nobody there. The corpse is there. There's a couple of people slightly interested in this, like, mangled diver that's on the beach. That's probably the only effect that they've made for this movie. And they get the most out of it as well, because you see it more than once. You see it about a thousand times in the first 12 minutes. At some point, they do a Jess Franco-style zoom-in as well, because they unveil it at an autopsy. And then there's a zoom right into its crushed, gory face. It's like, why do we need that zoom? We've seen it. And... The weird thing and is, it makes the, it look more fake as well. Yeah, the like, coroner. Can't take it seriously. I don't know what the coroner thought he was going to see there, and then they zoom into the gory face, and the coroner goes, <gasps> "It's like you're a coroner, mate. Have you not seen this sort of stuff before? I'm sure that you must have seen a dead body, but not this coroner's like, oh my god, it's terrible." <laughs> I quite liked the effects on that corpse. It was a little talcum powdery, but he looked sort of bloated and rotted and mm. a bit grim. Yeah. It's all right. And for this movie, all right is raising High it to... fucking yeah. praise. <laughs> <laughs> also, this movie has got the world's angriest dad. Gloria's dad does not like Bob. Bob is Dag's son. He's Hulk Hogan's son. And Gloria's dad is the wicked property developer who wants to turn the water park into a big hotel complex. He does not like Bob at all. But he does seem to be obsessed with Bob getting his balls ripped off. Glory's on about Bob, and then from nowhere, this is an example of the weird dialogue. So Glory's going on about Bob, and Glory's dad saying, oh, I forbid you to see him, and Glory's like, oh, me and Bob are in love. And then all of a sudden he goes, that dirty little bastard, I'll tear his fucking balls off. It's like, where did that come from? <laughs> oh, I'm really glad that you're explaining who the characters are, Darren, because I have to say, I've not really taken it in. There, there were quite a lot of people in this film. Little girl in the wheelchair, Hulk Hogan, pretty girl in the very daring, backless, skin-tight onesie thing mm. that got eaten by the shark. Spoilers. Who else? The man with the hair, the <laughs> man with the moustache, the man in the leather jacket, some scuba divers. That's kind of my level of engagement with the character development. 
there's also the two guys who are hired by the organised crime dude that comes in later on in the movie. They are the best villains ever on celluloid. Scooby-D Mafia. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, you know, I've got a couple of guys coming in and you just think, bit of trouble coming. And then when you see the two guys that they've hired, you think, what the fuck? Really? They've hired these two guys? Oh, they're going to get killed. They come with their own leather jackets. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, actually, I think it's a leather waistcoat. Yeah. Because Italy. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. But yeah, yeah, the, the sheriff... He's thick as mince. He doesn't put two and two together at all. He just seems to blunder from one situation to another and seems to rely on Billy, who's this kind of oceanographer, sort of marine expert. But he's fucking annoying as well, Billy, because he's just whiny all the time. And when his on-off girlfriend, Vanessa, is annoyed at his constant sidelining of her to go and investigate stuff, she has the line, it's me or the fish. It's me or the fish. <laughs> it's like, well, but that's the whole that's the whole thing about Summer of Sharks. That's the whole raison d'etre for us. It's me or the fish. That's Summer of Sharks. But the sheriff gets a point where he's going to see somebody, and there's a little barrier outside the police station with a bit of a ramp down it, and there's a car at the bottom of the ramp, and he jumps over the barrier. He just he's like walking <laughs> down the ramp and going to the car. He just leaps over this barrier and then runs to the car. It's like, that's completely unnecessary, mate. He's a man of action, Darren. <laughs> Shows that he's committed to the shark hunting yeah. or whatever it is he's it's like, doing. What's he going to do next? Sheriff. What's he going to do next? Go to the bar and somebody will go, do you fancy a pint of beer? Don't put that there. Just leave it. I'll dive over the bar and get to the beer. Don't sling it down the bar. Like I'll just jump over and I'll punch a couple of people on the way to it. It's just full of weird characters, this movie. Oh, speaking of punching people on the way to it, twice that little girl talks about punching a shark in the face. (laughs) (laughs) Daddy, daddy, if I see the shark, I will punch it in the face. (laughs) And then she says it again, much later in the film. Completely different scene. Don't know. I'd worry about that, kid. Maybe actually she's got unexplored trauma issues. You know, she's clearly been in a horrific accident. Every time she talks about it, carnival music plays. And <laughs> so maybe she needs some therapy because a bit prone to violence, that one. Punching sharks in the face. Yeah. And then there's that really awkward scene where he's reading her a bad time story <laughs> and she just drops off to sleep, no problem. It's just the most unrealistic child settling to sleep scene. <laughs> I believe that line has the word of Sharks eat people because they're hungry. They're always hungry. So if your shark bites you, does blood come out? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, my God, (laughs) this is not. It is highly quotable. This film, I will give it that. Maybe that's the drinking game. It probably is. Just go on Wikipedia, come out with the list of the top quotes. There's your shots list because there's the I'm the purser of pussy. Yeah. yeah. You see. But Hulk Hogan's character, well, Dags mm. Searinson, Sorensen. But Hulk Hogan. I mean, actually, Richard Jew, who is the guy who plays the Hulk Hogan alike, actually stood in for Hulk Hogan on a couple of these Shadow Warriors movies. So there is some Hulk Hogan cred attached to him there. 
I like the fact that, you know, he's lost his wife and he's got a daughter in a wheelchair and he kind of looks longingly into the camera and goes, I lost my life, my will to live. I shouldn't be laughing. I really shouldn't be. <laughs> I, I really, really shouldn't be laughing at this point, but I am. I'm sorry, Dag. They've tried to imbue a sense of heart and pathos. I'm not sure why, though, because <laughs> you, know, you know the film you're trying to make here. You're not going to get that emotional anchor. And that's the thing that's kind of the big question mark for me. Was Bruno Matai a filmmaker who had a sense of the films he wanted to make but didn't have the budget or the skill to really manifest those? Or was he a misguided crackpot? I'm going to go with the latter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will take your word on this. He's not really put that much effort into this film. It is just a rip-off, something that is famous and well-known and he was just trying to capitalise on that market. It was all about money for him. That's my opinion. What I'm quite curious about is we discussed in The Last Shark that that film got sued by Universal. But did this ever acquire any sort of lawsuit? Because I don't know how it literally got away with splicing in all these clips from very well-renowned movies that have a high budget behind them, have um, very important people behind them. So I'm just curious of how Bruno Mattei got away with this. I think probably because it was some years down the line. And I guess that I think Universal might have given him a little bit of a slap on the wrist. But I think anybody that was from that studio that watched the finished product of this thought, this is just not worth the bother. I mean, at least The Last Shark has got a little bit of credibility to it. And it's quite well made, even though it's a little bit rubbish. This is just slung together. And I'm guessing that if you were involved at all with the Jaws franchise, if you took a look at this, you just thought, is anybody really going to watch this movie? Is it going to take any of our profit away from us? I don't think it is. Apart from the fact that I've seen it twice. So, you know, I've also seen all the Jaws movies a lot of times as well, so it all balances out. It is just another notch in the weird bedpost of Bruno Mattai, this movie. He is just all over the map when it comes to movies. And basically, the Bruno Mattai template is, I have no money how can I make a movie? All right, I can stitch some other movies together, put a few of my own actors in there. Hey, presto, we've got a, an 87-minute movie at the end of it all. And I do admire that in some ways, even if the finished product is going to elicit the reaction, what the fucking hell is this from most people? Because, yeah, I can have that reaction as well, but in a positive way, I will quite happily watch Cruel Jaws and think, what the fucking hell is this? But there's some level of affection in there as well. Not least for the fact that he manages to rip off not only the Jaws theme, but also the Star Wars theme. It's just so blatantly done. They're not even trying to disguise the theme music. It's just there, and it's like, really? They're, they're going to go with this? Yes, they are. And at one point, they even rip off the race by Yellow as well. There's a windsurfing race and there's a faux version of the race by Yellow. So not only does John Williams probably have a beef with this movie, Yellow probably have a beef with this movie as well. It is just a Frankenstein's monster of a movie. Bruno Mattai just grabs things, glues them all together, sends it out into the wild and hopes that it doesn't fall over. 
or that he gets sued to fuck as well. <laughs> it is filmmaking by audacity, isn't it? Yeah. It's so blatant. It's, it's the difference between walking down the high street with a hand in your trouser pocket gently fumbling yourself versus walking down the high street with no clothes on. Just <laughs> balls out every time. And what are you going to do about it? And hoping that today's not the day that you meet the police. <laughs> <laughs> Great analogy. Um, so Shout Factory um, did attempt to release it as a double feature with something else. It doesn't specify what that was in 2015. But it did get cancelled due to legal issues because of the stock footage from the Jaws movies. So that's quite interesting. But then it has been released in all its full glory now on Blu-ray by Severin Films. I believe it's quite expensive as well. It is. Um, I believe Darren saw it on a stand in Horicon and there was one copy. And how much was it? It was 40 quid. And I <laughs> and I seriously <laughs> thought about buying it. And I just thought, 40 quid? I can't, I can't do it. 40 quid for a copy of this. I went back a couple of times and looked at it. I didn't buy it. But it wasn't just a case of me seeing it and thinking, I'm not buying that shit. No, I went back and thought, you know what? I might never get a copy of this again. My love of Cruel Jaws didn't stretch to the fact that I was going to pay 40 quid for the disc version of it. And I'm sure that a lot of people will pay 40 quid for the disc version of this because it's one of a kind. Mm, define a lot, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> Is it quite rare to get your hands on though? Was it like oh, limited yeah. edition release? Yeah, it wasn't. It's not anything that's readily available that you can just go on Amazon and put that in your basket, basically. No. Yeah, freely available on YouTube, guys. Just saying. Yeah. We have to note that this is how we watch the movie, and if you're curious enough to attempt it, there's a YouTube channel called Bizarro Madhouse that uploaded this film six days ago at the time of recording, and I, I just love the title of that YouTube channel because I think it does encapsulate. This film is a bizarro madhouse of a film, 100%. Yeah. In terms of the Jaws stuff as well, it nicks <laughs> quite a lot of the plot points, like the meeting where they decide how to go after the shark, the reward that's put up, the idea that they might have to close the beaches or stop the regatta. It's all very much of that Jaws template. But what it does pull out is a completely unexpected twist about 15 minutes from the end, where the shark is revealed to be a military experiment. And what did I message you at the point where I was watching that reveal? <laughs> uh, uh, let me just grab this. Because <laughs> it is worth it. I, I can tell you. No, it says, in capital letters... The boat was carrying a super shark. What is happening? <laughs> yeah, it goes into full silly sausage territory. I mean, it, it does from the start, but in terms of narrative direction, they just keep shoehorning another bit in, another bit in, another bit in. You know, just chop up some footage of some sharks. We'd all be quite content with that. We know it's a Jaws ripoff. You've lifted direct dialogue. You've <laughs> copied the soundtrack. You've taken scenes and shots directly from the films. Not a problem. But we're also going to include Disabled Daughter, Mafiosa, and Super Sharks. When did Deep Blue Sea come out? Is it a ripoff of Deep Blue Sea as well by accident? Uh, Deep Blue Sea was slightly uh, later. Deep Blue Sea was later. Yeah. 99. Nine. 
Yeah, ninety-nine. We should yeah. notice. <laughs> I know I should. I know I should. I don't have the the memory for the dates yeah. as as much as you guys do. That's why you're the host and I'm the drunk guest. So I think maybe it's a precursor to Deep Blue Sea. Then maybe Deep Blue Sea is a rip off of Cruel Jaws. Oh, I highly doubt that. Maybe not. No, uh, yeah. maybe. I, I, yeah. I'd be curious to know if the filmmakers of Deep Blue Sea would have actually seen this. I uh, bet they did. I bet there's at least one person on that crew. They probably thought, we can do better. We can do better. Look at this trash that came out like four years ago. We can do better than this. We can bring the shark movie back to its full glory. It would be incredibly ironic if somebody ripped off a Bruno Matai movie. Because there's a number of movies that he's ripped <laughs> off. It'd be sort of poetic justice if somebody watched a Bruno Matai movie and thought, you know what, that's quite a good idea. I'm going to make a movie out of that. I don't think Bruno Mattani would have given a shit if somebody had ripped off his ideas because he was just probably too busy making another remake of something that he'd seen the previous week and thought, oh, I'll make that movie as well, that's fine. It is just completely nutside, this movie. I do like the point where there's a little diagram of where they think the shark is. And basically, it is a scribble of a boat with an arrow with the words, it's here! exclamation mark underneath it forget all the complicated nautical charts forget all this strategy just draw a little drawing of a boat and then put it's here in big letters underneath it stunning work and also i particularly enjoyed the so what do we know about sharks so where's this going where's this going (laughs) and this is to the what is he meant to be oceanographer shark a file bloke yeah. Billy yes. yeah knock off Hooper who yeah. is about as far away from Hooper as one can get in character development and words to the effect of we basically know there's some kind of locomotive with a mouthful of butcher's knives <laughs> <laughs> that's some good science yeah man. yeah good I'm, science. I'm sure that at the oceanography institute that's what they teach people it's like what's a shark okay here's shark 101 you know what butcher's you know knives are like shark good. <laughs> I have got some notes about Billy. Basically, it's just three words in capital letters which say, he's fucking useless. <laughs> also got shit hair. <laughs> he looks like an extra from a tweens movie. You know, he could have been in the background of Pretty in Pink. Also, when, he, when his on-off girlfriend Vanessa gets chomped upon by the shark, he doesn't do a lot to try and save her. She's thrashing about and he kind of weakly tries to lift her out of the water, but then she succumbs. They do get to shout the names of people who perish in this movie, usually usually girls. So you get early on in the movie, you get somebody shouting, Edith, when she dies. And this one, when like Billy's sometime date, when she gets chomped upon, he goes, Vanessa! So it's a lot of screaming of women's names, this movie. And even the bit when the hospital, that's even nicked from The Last Shark. The shot where the ambulance pulls up outside the hospital, that's from The Last Shark. The shot where they're pushing the stretcher through the hospital, that's from The Last Shark. But the stretcher is containing the injured woman from The Last Shark. So who's under the stretcher in this movie? It's not the kid, because we've already seen her get in the lift. So who's in the stretcher? It's not Vanessa. She's dead. So what's going on there? Oh, oh, is it a universe crossover? 
It could be. <laughs> yeah, at the same time. simultaneously. Yeah. yeah, it's like, yeah. So, like, two sets of cast members. It's like, oh, what's this? Oh, like, we've got a shark problem. Oh, shit, so have we. It's gone meta. <laughs> yes, this is the film that we need to make, guys. Yeah. We can just nick shots from both films. Yeah. Compose them together. Steal some stuff from John Williams. Yeah. Film. Done. Yeah. So easy. Just make a film like that. Also, yeah, the, guy, so lazy. the guy, who, so lazy the guy who is problem. developing the hotel, when his son goes out to kill the shark and then they manage to blow their own boat up, they, they just shit-brain these people. They end up destroying themselves in a massive explosion. But when he finds out, the guy who is trying to develop the hotels seems more bothered that his yacht's been blown up than his son's been killed. Oh, there's your empathy right there. So that's a really deep cut onto the compassion levels of those who are into corporate greed. <laughs> yeah, that's like a scathing indictment of modern capitalist society, Darren. Yeah, it is. It's like yacht's been blown up. Oh, that's you know that's shit. Oh, by the way, your son's dead as well. Oh, fuck him. What about the yacht? <clears throat> yeah, Haley, I'm getting the impression that you are not enamoured with this film. No. Nope. No, I'm, I'm going to put that down to the fact that you watched it entirely sober. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think if, if uh, our listeners could take anything away from this game. No, we obviously encourage consumption of alcohol in a responsible fashion. But if you're looking for a film to watch along with your bottle of wine, then I had a really fun time with it and actually despite the fact that I can't remember who anybody was or really what happened, I had a lot of laughs. It's really, really stupid. I think that's both a compliment and a scathing indictment. It's daft as houses. And sometimes that's what you want with the shark exploitation genre. That's nine times out of 10, what you're going to get, but also eight times out of 10, it's going to feel like someone's trying to squeeze the cash out of your pocket. With this film, and also with The Last Shark, I feel like there's something really lovable about it. It doesn't feel like an exercise in corporate greed. I'm sure that's what it was, and that was with the motivating factors at the time. But it's it's so daft that we can't be offended by it, because it's it's that balls-out thing. It's so in-your-face about what it is. You're so impressed by that absolute commitment to being ridiculous that, yeah, I had a great time with it. It's also so thumpingly inept. I can't be cynical about it. I can't be mad at this movie because it's like a really dumb puppy that keeps wandering around and going, oh, look what I've done, look what I've done. Even though it's shit on your rug and torn the curtains to pieces and stuff, you can't be mad at this puppy, and I can't be mad at Cruel Jaws. Even though I spent ninety minutes again this time thinking, what, what, what's the fuck is going on here? At the end of it all, I was like, oh, it's Cruel Jaws. Yeah, <laughs> it's also such a lovely title, isn't it? <laughs> Cruel Jaws. Yeah, it's an interesting one. <laughs> <laughs> It are... was actually titled Jaws 5 Cruel Jaws at one stage. Yeah, it was that was how it was marketed allegedly at the time, even though it has no connection to the Jaws franchise in any capacity. But, you know, that's a way to get people to be interested in it, think, oh, there's a fifth Jaws movie. I mean, if anyone 
by that point in the franchise is actually wanting a fifth movie. The French title as well, they cashed in on the Jaws 5 because the title of Jaws in France was uh, Les Dents de la Mer, The Teeth of the Sea. And the French title of Cruel Jaws was Les Dents de la Mer Sank. Even ripping off the title in the French version. Wonderful. It's also known as The Beast, isn't it? It is also known as The Beast, yes. I do like Cruel Jaws as a title because it's just wonderfully incongruous. It suggests that there's also a compassionate Jaws. There's a gentle Jaws. (laughs) Maudlin Jaws. I want to see indifferent jaws where when a shark goes around it's like shall I shall I shall I attack somebody? Yeah, I can't be asked. <laughs> Reticent jaws. <laughs> we can come up with as many alternative titles as there are pseudonyms for Bruno Batai himself. <laughs> Definitely. So on IMDB it's been scored a very low three point four out of ten. It has a 0% tomato meter on Rotten Tomatoes and a 20% audience score. So there's a handful of people out there that may have enjoyed this. And I think there's one person on this podcast, (laughs) maybe two. And if you go to IMDb, the reviews for it, the first review that pops up, this person has described it as pile of donkey crap. (laughs) This is the worst shark movie ever produced and no one can deny it. Every shark appearance is stolen footage from Jaws, Jaws 2, Jaws 3, and the last shark. How dare Um, they? Good thing they didn't steal footage from Jaws for the revenge, or this film would have sucked even more. (laughs) Also, also, how dare they they go after Jaws the revenge as well? Fuck that person. Oh, Darren and I will fight people. (laughs) Also, it is so low budget, the DVD didn't even have a main menu, for God's sake. (laughs) <laughs> that's a very specific read <laughs> and that's probably Bruno Matai is probably like oh what should we do with the menu it's like oh no I can't be asked well, no that'll cost money let's just stick it on the disc yeah you just you just put it in it will just play it says nothing against Bruno Matai but he claims this movie to be Jaws 5 it is not Jaws 5 I repeat it's not Jaws 5 unbelievably the acting was actually not bad the most pointless thing in the movie it's in English, but it has damn Japanese subtitles. This movie is boring, boring. Don't even bother renting it because you won't find it in any video store. So this was actually written back in 2009. I'm telling you, this is someone else who watched that film sober. Like, you people are doing it wrong. The next review is Bruno Matthias' shark exploitation epic of cheesy dialogue and stolen footage. This person obviously saw it more favourably. Shapeshifting Sharks, The Mafia, Hollywood Hulk Hogan, and more battle it out in this fight to the finish. And then there's one that's given it 10 out of 10, and the review is simply titled LOL. Is that review from a, a Mr. B. Matai? <laughs> Unfortunately not. A shark attack flick without a shark? Horrible. Absolutely amazing. Better than Jaws. <laughs> I'm just loving all this. Now, now st- I mean, st- I mean, I mean, steady on there. I mean, I do like cool jobs, but be- but better than jobs. I mean, no. I mean, come on, let let's just rein it in a little bit. Um, this one, one out of ten. He's eventually should rise from the grave to sue IMDb. <laughs> a bit harsh on IMDb. Doesn't Peter Benchley have a writing credit? He does. Yeah. Yes, he does have a writing credit. Yeah, on it's Cruel such Jaws. a direct rip-off of Jaws. <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah. 
actually, can we just take a moment to, for those of us who actually love our sharks, which I know is all of us, that the zoology here is all over the bloody shop because they talk about it being a tiger shark. It is not a tiger shark. None of the stolen bits of footage from any of the films or the stock footage are tiger sharks. It's mainly great whites and occasionally a stingray. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they just don't know what they're doing. They just think any shark will do because they don't have the budget for the shark. So <laughs> It's a locomotive with a mouthful of butcher's knives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like actually a train just with some flatware sellotape to the front of it, just like chugging its way across the screen. <laughs> There is well, also it was an experience. I do like the fact that there's also a, a good laugh at the end as well, where the dastardly hotel developer gets pushed in the water again by the seal. Oh, who has, yeah. Who has pushed that him in the water great. earlier in the movie, so they get to repeat the gag. Everybody lives happily ever after. They've got enough money to keep the water park going. The dolphins are all okay. The bit I didn't mention was the attempted poisoning of the dolphins, which I thought was quite made. In a oh, movie gosh, that's quite yeah. fun, like Cruel Jaws's, that was kind of, no, I don't, I don't like the way this is going. But, spoiler alert, the dolphins do survive, so that's fine. You get a point where everybody's watching the dolphins and going, ha, 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 isn't it? Very much like at the end of Devilfish, basically. They've, you've got some cheesy jerk and people kind of laughing to camera at the end. So that might have been a thing about Italian shark movies. It's like, well, you know, we've had a load of people getting gorily killed. Let's have a joke at the end. I also enjoyed the way that Dag laughed because his his lower jaw he did that thing where he kind of chewed the laugh where his like not great for podcast I know but like imagine saying the word ha 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 whilst laughing like what's happening to his face it has to be seen to be believed and as I said it is free at the moment on YouTube you don't have to spend any money on it. Just head to Bizarro Madhouse and he will deliver the goods for you. Get it watched. You won't be disappointed. You will be disappointed. <laughs> Not if you're drunk. Yeah, I think that is the lesson that we need to take away from this. Please have a drink with this film because it will enhance the whole experience for you. And you won't be sitting here going, what the fuck did I just sit through? Yes. It was a cruel experience, Darren. All that remains for me to say is to once again thank Kate Orton very much for coming on the podcast again to discuss a shark movie that probably very few people have seen and may not want to see now we've discussed it. Thanks for having me, guys. Cheers, Kate. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you. I do wish we could chat longer. And that's it for episode 108 of the HD Movie Podcast. As always, thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this content and would like to follow us on social media, we are on Facebook, X and Instagram at HD Movie Podcast. Nicely remembered. I still call it Twitter. Yeah, it does not have the same ring to it. And the flow of me delivering that line at the end of the podcast does not have the same effect as far as I'm concerned. So sorry, everyone. Next time, it's the last in our third season of Summer of Sharks. We are going out with a bang, though, with our last movie. We are going to round off one of our favourite shark-related franchises as we take a look at The Last Sharknado. It's about time.
it is about time, but it's bittersweet because we've had a lot of fun with this franchise and I can't wait to see what the final part has to offer. And after this uh, film that we've just covered, just give me Sharknado any day. <laughs> yeah, I feel I should apologise on some level for bringing Cruel Jaws back into the public gaze. But what can you say about this movie? It's just bonkers. It is all over the place. I am actually glad we covered it, even though it can be a bit of a chore to sit through. Still, we have Sharknado 6 to look forward to next time. So, until then, stay safe, everybody. We'll see you soon. The HD Movie Podcast is presented by Hayley Alice Roberts and Darren Gaskell. Its music is written and performed by Mitch Bay. You can find the episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, Amazon Music, Podchaser, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Listen Notes and Podbean.